new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendell. A lot to get into. Ohio State is practicing as we speak. Their ninth practice of the spring. We will meet with offensive line coach Greg Stadrawa after practice today and several of the offensive linemen. I'll get into that in a little bit. Bax and I are high on this offensive line. We're going to talk all about it. Before we get to that, Mr. Baxendell, let's get into some position changes. I talked about this on Monday's show, and I'm curious to get your take on some of the recent position changes for the Buckeyes. Let's start with G. Scott Jr. moving from wide receiver to tight end. Your thoughts on that move? Well, I have to say, G. moving to tight end isn't the biggest shocker when you look at who he's competing with to get on the field, right? Like, we all know Ruck's going to be the starting tight end this year, right? Jeremy Ruckert's coming back. He's making a run to be the best tight end since Ricky Dudley at Ohio State, which is maybe where he's already at, let's be honest. But who else is he competing against with there if you're, if you're G. Scott, right? You're competing with Cade Stover, who just switched positions. Uh, you're competing with a bunch of freshmen that are coming in. And that's essentially it, right? Because if Farrell and Hausman are now gone, I mean, you don't have a lot of depth at tight end is the simple answer. And Ruck's gone after this year. So G. Scott's looking at that versus the wide receiver room where you know, not only do you have a loaded room bringing literally everybody back, but you're bringing in guys like you got, you got Jalen Ballard, um, you got Emeka Guka, um, and there's another guy I'm forgetting off the top of my head too. Marvin, here. Marvin Harrison Jr. Harrison Jr., who looks fantastic. They were showing some of his video clips this past week from practice, and he looks excellent, and his dad's a Hall of Famer. So if you're G. Scott and you're looking at that and you're going, that's a room of Vipers, and this room there's one dude who's going to the NFL after this year and a bunch of young guys who have barely played the position. I think it's obvious which one he's having a chance to get more run with. So this is a smart business decision for him because we don't know for sure how much he's going to get on the field the next two, three years of that wide receiver spot just because it's so crowded and there's so much blue chip talent there, right? Whereas tight end, we saw last year, two tight ends were widely used in the Ohio State offense. This may be that 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 shifting in uh, – and, and the tides of how Ohio State uses its tight end, we might finally be there where people look at it and say, yeah, they're going to use the tight end a lot. We saw it last year, and you got you know top 100 former recruits switching to tight end because that's where they're going to get the ball more. So for G. Scott, I think it's a great move. I think it's a super smart move. And I think it helps Ohio State because he's probably the number two tight end right off the bat. Um, now, I'm not sure if he's going to be healthy enough to play in the spring game where all of us would probably be really fascinated to see it. But, you know, the thing with G Scott is, is what's going to dictate whether he makes the transition to tight end or not. Is it going to be whether he's a, a big enough framed kid? He's six foot three, right? 
It's whether he can really take to the blocking aspects of it in a really serious fashion. That's a grind. Look, everybody that thinks of Jeremy Rucker and they go, ooh, look at all these pretty catches. Ooh, look at the catches, right? you got to play tight end, you got to be able to block, right? Like, that's the first and foremost thing. you got to be able to block. And you can't come on the field and not and, and just kind of olay a guy into the backfield and, you know, expect to be able to get throws your way. So if G. Scott can really take to the blocking side of the tight end position, that's really going to help Ohio State out a lot. And that's where we're going to really see the transition work. Because otherwise, Cade Stover's the guy I would expect to get on the field more recently than him. Because Stover comes from a more physical position at linebacker, so the blocking might be a little easier for him to catch on to. It'll be the, the reception side of things he's going to have a little more trouble with. So if Scott can learn to block, this could be a really good move for Ohio State now and in the future. Another notable position change, Demario McCall back for his sixth season. I was curious why he was coming back. They, didn't, they don't need running backs. They have six scholarship running backs. They don't need wide receivers, as you just laid out. I mean, G. Scott Jr. is a talented wide receiver. He was one of the top wide receivers in the country in the 2020 class, and he's already seeing it's going to be tough to see playing time at wide receiver. He's moving to tight end. So I'm thinking, why is Demario McCall coming back? Um, he's just going to be buried on the depth chart again. Maybe he just wants to hang out with the boys for another year. But now we know he has moved to corner. Who knows if it'll work, Bax, but I'm intrigued by this move. They need bodies at corner. Maybe this will work. What are your thoughts on McCall at corner? Well, like, what's the harm, like you said, right? Knowing he's back in one of those scholarships that's sort of in limbo that doesn't really count against the limit because of COVID, why not, right? This is a guy who we know isn't going to get on the field offensively. We've seen the issues he's had there. But we've also seen the fact that he has extreme athletic ability, right? There's a reason he's a little bit of a cult hero among uh, some of us Bucknutters. Run DMC, right? I guess he's now like DMs, DM coverage. DM, I don't know. We're going to get a good nickname for him, right? Maybe he'll be DMX, as in nobody throws the ball on him. But, like, um, that's a great nickname, actually. That'd be a good one for him. But look at the room he's in, right? Seven Banks is out for the spring. Cam Brown is recovering from an Achilles tear, right? And then you've got guys that are sort of depth guys, like Marcus Williamson, that he's, he would theoretically be competing with. you got young guys like Ryan Watts and Lejon Cavallos. Those guys have, you know, started to show a little bit here, but they're still young. And then you got all the freshmen, right? There's nobody entrenched at that position. Like, even Seven Banks, like, he had an okay season. He's not like a lock it up, nobody's going to challenge him kind of player at that position. And like, like I said, he's not here for the spring. So what's the harm? There, there, that position is wide open. I mean, like, I couldn't tell you who the number two corner is going to be right now with anything resembling confidence, much less the number three corner. I assume Banks is going to be the number one corner, but again, he's missed the spring with an injury. You have to hope he rehabs okay. There's a lot of question marks at that position. So, yeah, what what's the harm? Like, there's no downside to having run DMC out there being DMX and play some, play some coverage, right? So, I'm okay with this. Like, and plus, it's another year of fun nicknames with him. And, hey, you never know. Watch. He's going to go out in the spring game, and he's going to end up having a pick six, and everybody's going to lose their mind over him because he's a splashy player no matter what. The real question is, he, can he grind and can he stick to his responsibilities in a coverage role? I'm fascinated to see it, though, because the kid's so athletically talented. It would be, it would be just like Run DMC to have spent five years at Ohio State doing essentially nothing and then turning around and playing corner for one year and messing around and being a draft pick. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. It just wouldn't shock me if he did well at all. 
The final one's kind of a minor position change I want to talk about. Craig Young, last year, you know, the few times we got to see practice uh, or we'd see clips of practice, he was always working with the linebackers and uh, outside linebacker Craig Young. Uh, the other day when I was at practice on Monday, which was really cool being out there, seeing the Buckeyes actually practice, um, that was a lot of fun. Um, Craig Young was working with the safeties, Vax. Um, and at, now, to be clear, he's not going to be – he's not competing with Josh Proctor and Lathan Ransom. He he is going to be a hybrid. He's going to be that bullet. He's going to be like a Court Williams who's coming back from that ACL. And Craig Young could be the starter there because not only is he – has a, a he's a year older than Court Williams. He's not coming off a torn ACL. He looks good out there. I mean, that's a – a big, fluid safety. I mean, dare I say, he looks a little bit like Sean Taylor out there. I know he's not, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Sean Taylor, Bucknutters, uh, the late, great Sean Taylor. But, uh, man, you see him out there. That's what it looks like, Bax. And I'm very, very intrigued by Craig Young playing that hybrid role, that bullet role. Well, remember when they were recruiting him? He was kind of just like, dude's a freak. We'll find a spot, right? Like, that was, that was how they recruited him, right? They looked at him and they were like, that guy can play somewhere. We have no idea where. We'll figure it out, right? Well, if he can run with the safeties at a linebacker size, like you said, everybody's first comparison is going to be Sean Taylor. Everybody. Like, Sean Taylor has been passed away RIP for a decade, and he's still the go-to. Look at that giant safety guy. And, look, like you said, the, the safety position's a little more ensconced right now, if you will, for the Buckeyes, right? We've got some guys who played reasonably well last year. Like, Ransom flashed at times last year, and I'm giddy to get to see more of him. Josh Proctor is a hammer back there, and if he, he can start squeezing some of these interceptions he dropped down the stretch, he's going to be a weapon, right? So, you know, a guy like Craig Young, if you can have him on the field as a safety at that size, what it allows you to do is it allow you at a time where we're bringing in a bunch of new linebackers, he can be a bit of a hybrid role guy, right? You can have him on the field. He's not going to cost you a ton of run support. But he also has, it helps you a lot in pass protection, right? He, he, he's that, that hybrid outside spot that we always hear people talk about. And that always has a fancy name, like the spike or the bullet or the whatever, right? The reality is it's a freak athlete who can keep up with some of these faster, smaller guys, but isn't going to cost you whenever it comes to stopping the run. Craig Young's a guy that I'm fascinated to watch. And we're not going to get a lot in the spring game because these spring games are always pass-heavy exhibitions. They don't want to get the, the big guys banged up too much inside. They don't run the ball a ton, right? It's not really a true way to see how a season is going to play out for a lot of these guys. But I'm fascinated to see Craig Young as we get into the fall and see how much time he gets on the field, especially in the first couple games against some of these, you know, macrificial lambs and everything. The Oregon game obviously isn't that, but you're going to have some games where, you know, is he on the field the first, you know, two, three possessions on D? Is there a package in place? Are there downs and, and, and distances that we're going to find a role for him? He's one of those guys who he's unique. And on a roster full of just absurd athletes like Ohio State has, when you have a player who's unique like Craig Young, they're going to find a way to use him because he brings something that I don't think anybody else on the roster does. And that's the ability to run like a gazelle at the linebacker size. So he's a fascinating player. And it goes back again to his recruitment. We don't know what the heck we're going to do with him, but there's something we're going to find to do with him because he's too much of a just crazy good athlete. So he's the most intriguing to me of all these position changes, right? Like, like Demario McCall, it'll be fun because everything around him, there's always a lot of chatter because he's a high-profile player. G. Scott is probably the most practical one, right? Cave Stover is another practical one. One of those guys is going to get some, some run at tight end. The position change with Craig Young 
is almost sort of just figuring his position out. And if you remember whenever we brought in Darren Lee originally, we weren't really sure where he was going to play either. And once they figured it out, he turned out to be one of the better players we've had on defense in the last 10 years at Ohio State. I'm not saying Craig Young's going to have that kind of impact, but he has the potential to have that kind of impact with his athletic ability. As promised, let's delve into the Buckeyes offensive line. Again, we'll meet with Coach Greg Stadrawa and some of the offensive linemen after practice today on Zoom. So, backs even losing a couple of studs like Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers, who I think will be second-round picks, early third-round picks at the very, very worst. Uh, and by the way, if one of those guys falls to the third round, someone's going to get a steal. Um, regardless, I think they're going to play in the NFL for a long time and be very effective NFL players. So you lose a couple of studs like that and you're the interior of your offensive line, that's never good. But my goodness, this is the definition of reloading. I mean, they got, they got guys stepping in like, you know, Paris Johnson, the number one offensive lineman in the country in the 2020 class. And they don't even have room for him at tackle, which is his, his obviously his natural position. So he's going to be starting at guard. Harry Miller is probably going to be starting at center, but Matt Jones is getting some reps there. Sounds like Matt Jones is going to be a starter regardless. If he beats out Harry Miller at center, he'll start there or he'll start at guard. Um, I love these tackles coming back with Petit Ferrer and Thayer Munford. I'm still... You know, I can't believe Thayer Munford came back. This is his fifth year. He's going to be a fourth-year starter. I thought for sure he'd leave for the NFL, even if he would have been like a fourth-round pick. I just figured his days were done. Anyway, man, this is the definition of reloading. I am very excited about this offensive line. Yeah, this is uh, – I think I called in the bucket a couple of weeks ago. This year's best offensive line ever. Because, like, last year we were talking about that before the season. Like, this could be the best offensive line ever. You know, and, and everybody's like, oh, it's crazy. Well, that line was really good. And frankly, we never really got to see them with a full season under their belt last year because of all the COVID stops and starts and the various substitutions that we had to have. You know, a normal year where the top five guys get a chance to gel together over a full season, that line would have been special. But I think this line this year is going to be special too. Like you said, Thayer Munford and NPF back at your tackles on a team that went to the national championship game. That was really good at keeping pressure off its quarterback, right? Okay, that's great. That's fantastic. I like that. Harry Miller, look, I know some people were grumpy about his snaps against Michigan State. I'm sorry. The guy had pretty much a makeshift lined around him that had been sort of thrown into the center role because of COVID cancellation. So good for him. And I think he's going to be an excellent center at Ohio State. Or he could be a really good guard, as we saw at times last year. And then, of course, you talk about Paris Johnson. Paris Johnson starts on literally every team, right, in the Big Ten this year at tackle. Every team. And, and at Ohio State, there's no room at the end. So we're just going to – we're going to have the guy who's the number three recruit in the entire country, number eight recruit or whatever he was, top ten player in the country, number one lineman. And, and it's looking like he's going to be a three and done for the NFL guy. And we're only going to get one year of him starting a tackle, not because he's not good enough, but because we have too much depth to tackle ahead of him. That's some Alabama shit right there. So I'm excited about that. Um, so that that's great news. And then here's the crazy part, too. Like you said, Matt Jones has certainly earned his role at this point. Where is Dewan Jones? Like, where is he going to play? What is he going to be as a backup? He's not really been seen when people have had observations at practices. So where's Dewan Jones? A guy a lot of people think could easily be a starting level player as well. So... This is one of those things where, coming from the Trestle era, all the good things I ever say about the Trestle era, the one thing that I will tell you that I couldn't stand about the Trestle era was the fact that we never, ever seemed to have depth on the offensive line. It was absurd. 
Well, guess what Ohio State has now? Depth on the offensive line. Really good depth on the offensive line. And this Ohio State line this year, no matter how you want to slice and dice the positioning of it, is going to end up being, if not the best line in the country, one of the best lines in the country, and could easily give last year's really good offensive line a serious run for its money. I'm not convinced that this line this year isn't going to ultimately have an overall higher group of NFL drafted players because I think Paris Johnson is a future first rounder. So this is a fantastic line and it's going to be a great, great tool for whoever wins the quarterback battle to get themselves started with because they're going to have time to throw the ball. Great stuff as always from the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thank you to Bax and thank you to all listeners out there for tuning in the show. We appreciate that very much. Have a great day, Bucknutters. Let's hear the Buckeye swag, best in band in the land.